Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon, and this is Fordham Conversations. Today, I'm joined by phone with author and Fordham alum, Deanna Singh. She's written her first children's book called I Am a Boy of Color. It's meant to highlight positive images of little boys of all colors. Thanks for joining me, Deanna. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on the show. And I want to start with a very simple question. What inspired you to write this book? I was actually inspired to write this book because it it actually came from a place of frustration. I was getting really frustrated by the lack of positive images around my children, right? Looking for, I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old little boy, and I was looking around and realizing that there was a lot of things that were really negative, a lot of negative stereotypes, a lot of negative statistics that were associated with children of color, and that what I wasn't seeing was positive affirmations. And so this really started out as a love letter that I wrote to my children. I wanted to write down what I wanted them to see in themselves when they look in the mirror or when their father and I are not around. You know, the things like that they are smart, that they're intelligent, that they're beautiful. And so I just wrote wrote this love letter for them. And that's initially how it actually got started. You know, then what happened, um, Robin, is that I did some research and I started to see how little representation there was of children of color in books. And I just thought that was terrible. And so I looked back at this letter and realized that it really, it was started off as a letter to my boys, but it's how I feel about all the children of color that we have in the world. And so that's how the book that's how the book got started. So I and I did a little research myself and there seems to be quite a few books for girls, but I really didn't find many books at all for for young men of color. So um, how long did it take you to write this book, Deanna? This is a really, really fast process, but I felt like there was an incredible sense of urgency behind it because of what you just said. There are so, it's so easy to find negative images of our children, but it's so hard to find positive ones. And I felt like we had to do this quickly. Well, but quickly. Right. And how did you choose an illustrator for the book? So I actually was very, very picky about an illustrator for the book. I needed somebody who could really take the essence of what I think our young men um, reflect in the world. And actually, I, I found the illustrator on Facebook. I had this image of what I wanted the pictures to look like, and I met with a lot of very talented people. But it, you know, it just wasn't right. I, I, and I couldn't tell them like what was what was wrong about it. But it <laughs> you knew what you wanted, right. and you also yeah. knew what you didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a post and it was like exactly what I had been imagining. It was a little boy with beautiful dreads. And and so I contacted the artist. Um, the funny story is, is that he actually told myself and the publisher no multiple times because he was so busy. He's an oh, award-winning wow. artist. His name is Amar Nasormo and he's amazing. Um and so, uh, you know, eventually I sort of eased uh, a little bit of a of an interesting technique. I, I went to another one of his jobs. <laughs> he was doing portraits at another place, and I took my children with me, and I'm like, okay, Amar, like, I'm the girl who's 
keeps contacting right. you, and I really want you to do this project. I know in my heart that you are absolutely the right person to do it. And um, and he said yes, and then he became a full partner because, you know, he told somebody else, like, I really didn't want anybody to mess this up because I know how important it was and how important it is. Were these drawings specifically made for the book? No, you know, it was a combination. So my children love to point out that they are on page 22. Okay. Uh, that was actually an image of them on their first day of school. So he did, that picture looks almost exactly, you know, like my boys. But the other pictures were kind of things that either he had you know, some kind of sense of, or that there's a little bit of a reflection of one of his children. He has a a young man um, in one of the pictures. And so it was just this interesting combination of both things that he had seen and that we talked about wanting to make sure we reflected and also just his own imagination. What does your family think of the book? Obviously, your boys have read it. Yes, yes. Well, they are so, actually, they're so excited um, about the book. You know, they were part of the creation process, and so they had the opportunity to come to the meetings with Mr. Amar. They call him Mr. Amar and mm-hmm. I, and actually look at the pictures as they were being completed. They helped us make some decisions about what the inside should look like. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that when they read the book that that they could connect with it because they're the target audience, right? Our goal is for children to read the book and feel really affirmed. And so it was, this is just as much their project, I would say, as it is, you know, Amar and I's. Deanna, what was one of the most surprising things you learned in, in creating your book, I'm a Boy of Color? You know, I created this book because I couldn't shake it, right? I couldn't shake the idea that this was really important and that this is a vehicle to combat this lack of diversity in our children's literature. But what I would say has been one of the most surprising things and just affirming things is how people have responded to the book. My favorite is really the children. Mm-hmm. I, I had a young man say, you know, this book, he, he was having some problems going to school and kind of feeling like, you know, all of a sudden he was very aware of his skin color. He's an African-American child that's going to an all-white school. And so for him to say, this makes me feel like I'm really important. You know, this makes me feel like I have a lot of value. And to hear his mom say, I say these things to my child all the time, but him reading it and seeing it just gave him a different understanding, right? It it was a different way for him to connect with the same message that I've been trying to tell him. That, to me, that is power, right? That's social justice at its very best. And it does seem often it's easier to uh, you want to hear these positive things coming from your family. But sometimes it does take an outside voice to bring it back around and confirm what you're hoping that you, you we hope that families are telling their their young boys that they're important and that they're loved and that they're cared about. Right. You know, and I think the other there was another comment, and I will never forget this for the rest of my life. It was before the book was even published. I went to a copy store and the woman who made the copies for me of the book you know, she pulled it out and we were talking about it and she's like, oh, do you mind if I look? And I said, of course, of course. And so she looks at the book and her eyes well up with tears. And she says to me, you know, at a very young age, I actually had to adopt um, one of my cousins. I chose to adopt one of my cousins. So she was, I think she said she was 19 years old and she took in this little boy who was a toddler at the time because he had lost his parents actually to, to drug abuse. And she took this young man in and she's like, I was just a child myself. And I remember 
sending him out every day and wanting to just completely protect him, right? Just feeling like I just wanted to shower whatever I could upon him so that he could combat anything that might be negative out there in the world. And she just she just cried when she told me the story. And she's like, I wish I had these words because sometimes I didn't feel like I even had the reserves that I needed to give to him mm-hmm. because I was a child trying to raise a child, right? And and. I thought about that as a parent. Like there are these moments where you are pouring everything that you can into your children, but you need some extra tools. And right. that could be a book. That could be another person, right, like a friend or another family member. But you need other people to come around you to support the kind of the kind of message that you want your children, your teachers, right, to support the messages that you want to convey to your kids. It can't happen through just one person. And sometimes books are the things that give you the the tools and the information and, and the and the wording so that you can accept, that's what I meant. I wanted him to know this or I wanted her to know this. Right. And you just expressed it for me in a book. So now I can take that and, right. and give it to these the, the young ones in my in my life. Yeah. I mean, I had another parent that told me that, the you know, her son is sleeping with the book. He's just decided that that's what, that's what he wants to do. And he said, you know, that's what I'm going to look like. He's, uh, I think he's like four now. And he said, you know, that's what I'm going to look like when I'm seven. And that's what I'm going to look like when I'm 11. And so now he's just sleeping with the book. That's great. <laughs> he's connecting with it. Right. So I'd like to uh, talk a little bit, Deanna, about some of the issues that we have that really led you to, to write this book. So... Uh, your dad is a Sikh American. Your mom is African American. Your husband is African American and German American. And you have these two beautiful kids who reflect all of these heritages. So how do you discuss race or how do you discuss race with your family? You know, it's really important for us to talk about all of the beautiful cultures that are represented, not just in our family, but even outside of our family. And so we make a very concentrated effort to make sure that we are educating our own children, right? That we're getting books, that we're reading, that we're going to places, that we are pointing out um, different kinds of art styles so that our kids can have a full appreciation of what the world around them looks like and how beautiful it is and how much there is to learn from different people. I always joke that when my family gets together, we look like the United Nations. <laughs> so that provides a really, you know, a, 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 an amazing opportunity for us to be able to communicate that message. But we try to be very intentional about um, helping our kids see that just because something is different doesn't mean that it's wrong that those are the kinds of things that actually make our in our culture, right, the American culture, really rich, the fact that we have so much diversity amongst us. Have your children, I know my uh, nieces and nephews at times have, have said, okay, well, mommy, you're this, or what are we? Or what are you, mommy? You look a little different than daddy. What what are we? Because we have the same thing. I have a multitude of different people and cultures in my in my family, and I always find it interesting to hear how the parent will describe, oh, well, mommy's Hispanic American and daddy's African American and also German or something along those lines. So mm-hmm. have your children asked those questions and what specifically do you say? Yes, my, my children have asked me really great questions. Children are great um, at coming up with those questions that make you stop in your job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the thing that we have responded to them is that first and foremost, we are all humans. And it is really important that we remember that, that first and foremost, we are all humans. We all belong to the human race. And so that's something we've tried to stress to our children. 
And then the second thing is that we try really hard to help them understand why different um, pieces of our culture, why those those things are really important to us. So, you know, why do we cover our head when we go into Godwara? Why is it really important that, um, you know, when we're when we're in our Pentecostal church, we do these kinds of things, right? Or why do we um, why do we eat certain kinds of foods and that other people don't eat, right? Why do we take our shoes off at the door? Just these these little things that, for us, are culturally relevant because of where we came from and because of the, the history that we have within our family. Um, so it's really important to us. You know, the one thing that we, my husband and I, are committed to doing, and we've done this ever since the children were infants, is we've actually taken them on an international trip every year. And I know what an amazing privilege that is, but that's something that we um, have planned around. And the reason why we do that is because we want our children to actually be able to see and smell and touch different cultures just as much as they see and smell and touch our culture on a daily basis. And give them that experience of of that. Yeah. In your opinion, what are some of the misconceptions young boys of color have to deal with socially? So I think that there's a number of misconceptions that they have to deal with because there's a lot of people who they might interact with who either I've only seen these negative images of children of color or have had no personal experiences with children of color. And so I think that they are often parachuted into places where not only do they have to create their own image of themselves and carry that forward and live that and be true to that, but they also have to combat these other images that right now, you know, are really prevalent in our main in our main culture, right? It's that's sort of everywhere, and so I think about you know the kinds of concessions that my husband has to make, like on a daily basis. He's a, you know, he's an African American man, and and what he has to do just to make other people feel comfortable. I think um, a lot of different cultures have to do that, but I see that happening so much, and I watch my boys watch him. Right, and and I hear the conversations they have about why he's made different choices, and I think that's just one of the realities that unfortunately our children have to deal with. Can you give me an example of uh, some of the advice? Sure. So, you know, one of the things that you know, unfortunately, I think we have to talk to our kids about is how do you handle conflict when somebody comes to you and they're an authority and they may be wrong? What do you do? And that's a very, um, you know, unfortunately, I just feel like that's a conversation that you have to have if you have little brown boys. You have to say, these are the kinds of things that are considered, might be considered acceptable by another group, but would not be considered acceptable for you to do because it could put your life in danger. And that's a terrible, awful, makes me just completely sick to my stomach conversation that we've had to have with our eight-year-old child. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with author and Fordham alum Deanna Singh. We're discussing her new children's book, I Am a Boy of Color. It focuses on the importance of affirming and supporting young men of all ethnicities. It seems like blessings keep falling in my What other conversations do you think are missing um, when it comes to discussions of maybe race or culture uh, with young young children of color not necessarily in your house but in general i think that 
this idea that we need to affirm our children, I think it can't actually be stressed enough because when you think about it, if the balance right now is on the negative, the only way to change that is to overwhelm the positive, right? And so I think that there are a lot of missing places. So when you look at the fact that only, you know, let's call it 14% at best of children's books that are coming out on an annual basis actually have children of color featured in it, compared to like 70, I think it's 74% of white children. So if we're telling our kids, you know what, in order to be successful in life, what you need to do is you need to read. And then we're giving them books where there's more inanimate objects than there are children who look like them. What message are we sending them, right? What are we saying to them? Are we saying that you can't be these things, that the reason why there's 74% of white children in these books is because you can't actually be the inventor, you can't be the architect, you couldn't be the doctor, you couldn't be the lawyer, you couldn't be the, you know, big thinker or the artist. Are we saying that to our children? Because we're not actually including them in those images. I think that, to me, actually, this opportunity to affirm our kids, number one, and number two, to show reflections to our kids of what they could be, I just think that we couldn't do enough of that. Yeah, and hopefully develop discussions amongst children and, and their caretakers about who you can be and, and what you should expect. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, I see that happening all the time. I see parents pouring into their children all of the time. I see educators pouring into their children all of the time. I see community members, right, and community leaders pouring into children all of the time. I just don't understand why it doesn't get the same kind of attention as the opposite stuff, Mm -hmm. right, as the negative stuff. And so my goal in this, you know, in writing this book, there were essentially two goals. The first was to create a book that was a beautiful depiction of our children and something that they could be proud of and something that they could feel affirmed by. And by our children, I don't mean my two little boys. I include them in that, but I mean our children, like as a community. That was the first thing. And the second thing was actually to create the conversations. That's why I'm so happy to be talking to you this morning because what creating the conversation and really creating a space for us to say, no, this is unacceptable and we are going to stand up against this. And what we're going to do is we are going to stand up by creating more affirming opportunities for our kids. So what we actually did is we decided that the, the, some of the proceeds from this book would actually be contributed into a foundation. And it, the foundation is called Flying Elephant Foundation. And what we're doing is my children, who Zion and Zephaniah, four and eight years old, are the co-chairmen of the foundation. <laughs> And what they're doing is they're actually choosing other projects that really um, present positive images. Give me an example, Deanna. This is great. Give me an example. Sure, I'd love to. So this, um, we just had a, a big event here in Milwaukee. It was called the 500 Tuxedo Event. And a wonderful, amazing com- community um, member, Andre Lee Ellis, actually organized this or this program called We Got This. And what he did was he took 250 young men and then 250 adult men, and he paired them together. They all got dressed up. They put on tuxedos. They spent an entire, like, from 12, I think, until 6 or 7 o'clock at night together. They had a formal dinner, and they just celebrated being a man of color. And it was awesome and overwhelmingly powerful and positive and just, you know, it, it really, I think, gave the older men an opportunity to say to the younger men, this is, this is what, you, you don't have to put on a tuxedo to look good, 
But just so you know, you you belong in a tuxedo, right? right? Like yeah. not just a tuxedo in like the literal sense, but that you are a man of distinction. And you can, and you have every power within you to be whatever it is that you want to be. And we see the beauty and power in you. And so, anyway, so the, the children actually decided that they were they're too young to participate in this walk. But what they decided to do was sponsor children. So they actually sponsored a couple of other children to participate in the walk with some of the proceeds. This is great. How did they find the children to participate in this this event? We we got this. So we got this actually is a summertime program, and what they do is they have the children come on Saturdays, and they actually tend to a, a community garden, and there's typically like about 100 kids that show up every every Saturday. And so the children who participate in We Got This are the children who were um, who were able to receive the tuxedo support. So it seems like they're also um, investing in their own, not just future, but in their community. Oh, 100%. I mean, the whole point here is how do you, by we got this, what they're saying is we have this, right? Like this is our neighborhood. This is our community. This is our identity. And so we are going to set the course and we're going to say what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So the perfect fit, you know, for the foundation, because that's the mission. How do we affirm our children of color? How do we create opportunities like that? in the community because we know we want the book to to move forward and we want it to do the first thing to affirm children and be you know a beautiful depiction of them but we also want the second thing we want this to be part of a movement and that that's where we get really excited right like that's how you create that change because the book won't do it by itself I want to back up a little to the story you were telling me about the 19-year-old that had to take care of of their younger cousin um how would you offer a suggestion for someone who may be a single parent and may be overwhelmed and may have to work and the kid has to go to school and they're trying to, you know, the caregiver is trying to put food on the table? What advice would you have, something simple that they can do to invest and affirm their 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 children? You know, I think that reading and giving your children access to books, whatever the books are, I think it's one of the most important things and celebrating the opportunity to read. I think it's one of the most important things that we can do. I always tell people that reading is actually an opportunity for you to have a door into anything you could possibly imagine and even things that you can't imagine, right? When you open a book, you can go forward in time. You can go backward in time. You can meet with people who are no longer alive. You can go into worlds that don't really exist. And I think that by doing that, you actually are showing your your child, even if you can't put them on a plane and take them to another country, you can show them all about that country, through a book. And I think that that's, it's such a powerful tool. And so even for a a very busy parent who, first of all, I just have to say like so much love and respect for people who are in the situation that you're describing. They are, they are no, nothing short of superheroes in my, in my estimation. And so, and I, 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 you know, I know it's tough. I, just, I know it's really tough. But to be able to say, you know, to your child, hey, my expectation is in this house, our expectation is that everybody reads. Everything's going on, but we all stop and we all read together. I think that that's one of the really, and you get to cuddle. I mean, I just think everything about it is awesome. Yeah. And then what I would say on the, on the flip side of that is that after you finish reading, give them a pen. Let them write. 
you know, let them put down their own stories because in being able to express ourselves, both learn from books, but then also express ourselves through writing, there's just so much um, to be able to, that you can be able to pull out of that. I just think it's like a very important gift and it's something that's accessible. You can get books from libraries, right? You, that, that's a free service that, and it's a huge benefit that we have here in this country. So, uh, Deanna, as a, as a, as a little girl growing up, what did you want to do with your life? How did you see yourself? Growing up, I had the great fortune of being able to be very close to all of my family. And so I spent a lot of time with my grandmother, you know, in the city. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents in India. And I had the opportunity to really see the world through their vantage point. And I think for me, the the big thing was I really wanted to honor all of the sacrifices that they made in order for me to be in the position that I was in. So I was actually the first person in my family to go to college. And I will never forget how much joy everybody in my family had because it was not just for me because they were happy for me, but also it was symbolic of the fact that all of the sacrifices and all of the hard work that they had put in over the years was coming to fruition. So for me it was, how do I take this awesome um, set of opportunities and blessings that I've been provided, and how do I exponentially increase that across the communities that I get to serve in? And so for me, it's always been, how do I take those those blessings and opportunities and experiences and multiply them? So what do you think is the best and worst part about being a writer? Best and worst? I think the best part about being a writer is actually being able to connect with people in a way that's very different. So, I, you know, when I was talking earlier, I said one of the things I was hoping to do was take these experiences, opportunities, whatever, blessings, and also and exponentially increase them in any way possible, right? And to really use that through a service lens, like how do I serve the people that I love? And so in writing a book, I think what's astonishing is you're able to touch and talk to people and share this message with people you might not ever meet. You know, and I think that that's really powerful. Somebody, you know, bought the book yesterday from India. I thought, that's really cool. Like, somebody I don't know Mm -hmm. just bought the book, and that's going to be part, that's going to be in their bookshelf, right? That's going to be something that they share with a child in their life. And I think that that's really powerful that you have this mechanism to be able to put out into the world. It's really challenging to completely capture all of the things that you want to say about a given situation. You know, there are some things that have happened in my in my life that seem almost fake. Like that didn't really happen. <laughs> so, when you're writing it, you're like, well, should I take out some of these nuances? Because, you know, it, it might seem like it's it couldn't really happen this way, but that is how it really happened. And so it's like, I was there. You, it was me. I, right, it happened. Exactly. Exactly. So how do you kind of, you know, accommodate and tell this story in a way that people will be able to grasp it? And how do you pull out the facts that might be of importance to you, but maybe aren't, wouldn't be to a reader. And I think that's where the challenge is, is just making sure that what you're putting down on paper is really going to get 
the message that you're hoping to get across is that that really is going to come through. So what do you think makes a good story? I think that the most important thing about a story is that it connects with the reader. I think if you can find a story that allows the reader to come through it and that they can find an entry point and it touches their heart, I think that that's something that can't be faked, right? That that has to be authentic in the words that you're writing. And so when you find a book that's like that, it's hard to put it down. And that to me is a, is a success. So where can my listeners buy your book, I Am a Boy of Color? Where can they get it? They can actually go and to our website, which is www.iamaboyofcolor.com. If they go there, we will be able to, and they message me on Facebook, we can actually inscribe it for them. Uh, the book is also available on Amazon. It sometimes will say that it is out of stock. We've actually sold out of the book now two times in the short couple of weeks it's been out. Um, but if you order it, it doesn't take very long to print. So you can get it from Amazon also. So either com or Amazon. And I'll put a link on my website to your book. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deanna, for talking with me about your book, I Am a Boy of Color. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I love the fact that I was able to connect back to Fordham. I'd like to thank my guest, Deanna Singh. Her book, I Am a Boy of Color, is out now by Orange Hat Publishing. I'd also like to thank my producers, Marina Koff and Patrick Lusimano. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter, and catch up on shows you've missed with our weekly podcasts. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.